My guest, Jenny Bradley, has been thriving with cancer since her diagnosis in 2017. She is passionate about guiding fellow cancer patients into more peace and less overwhelm during their cancer journey. She is a certified holistic cancer coach, a certified culinary nutrition expert, and a licensed pastor, which makes her truly one of a kind. She's a great researcher and she helps others confidently advocate for themselves. I sure enjoyed our conversation today. You can tell that Jenny is so full of joy about living and thriving in life. And of course, remember, today's episode is just for general education purposes and it is not medical advice for you. I sure hope you enjoyed listening today. Welcome to Powerful Whispers, the podcast that dives into the extraordinary whispers of God in real and practical ways. Together, we will explore how God speaks to us regarding our body, soul, and spirit. I'm your host, Krista Joy, and I'm excited to have you join me on this journey. As a foodie and a dietitian, I might even sprinkle in some simple food hacks. Let's get ready to dive into the powerful whispers of God and uncover these hidden gems. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Wellness Wednesday. I am so thrilled that you can be here today and listen to my friend, Jenny Bradley. She is an amazing lady. She is a cancer survivor, certified holistic cancer coach, certified culinary nutrition expert, and a licensed pastor. And an interesting fun fact, I actually connected with Jenny a few years ago on Instagram because of the band for King and Country. They gave a shout out to her. (laughs) And I've just loved watching her journey. I've been so encouraged by all that she has shared about health and wellness and what she has done to get through this cancer journey. So welcome, Jenny. Thank thank you for being here. Thank you very much. I am honored that you asked me to be on your podcast. And I am excited for just the different inspiration, hope, and encouragement that you share with your audience throughout your various episodes. So thank you for having me. Oh, thanks so much. As we get started here, could you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name's Jenny. (laughs) I feel like everybody does that, right? Like you say my name and then I go, my name is Jenny. Uh, I'm married to my lovely husband, Mike. We have a little dog named Poppy, who hopefully you won't hear too much (laughs) on this episode. And we live in the southeastern United States now. We just did a big move across many states to live here. So we're kind of living in that phase of pseudo new to us city and new to us life of where everything when everything around you is new to you how tiring that is for your brain Um, so we're still you know assimilating to all things new in our worlds Uh, yeah so I was I know we're gonna get into this more but for you know basically 20 years I've served in some sort of ministry capacity with students And then that kind of crossed over after my cancer diagnosis. I was still in student ministry, and then it got to a point where I, I like to say I retired. Nice, (laughs) I like that. (laughs) That I retired from full-time ministry. Um, I worked in colleges, too. Like, I taught at the college level, and I did church ministry, too. Um, So I retired from all that right before the pandemic. Then during the pandemic, they actually asked me to come back and help guide their college ministry program uh, just in that season fully understanding we were kind of all at a place of like 
you know, that that questionable spot at the beginning of the pandemic when nobody really knew, I don't know how to say it other than like how bad it was going to be for those of us with chronic disease. Right. So there, we just were really careful about, it was a lot of remote work. Okay. Anywho's, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I've been working, I'm just going to call it this, like ministry and education for a long time. And so I have a brain that I am just fascinated with you know, the latest tools and tips and tricks. I'm fascinated by research. And when I got diagnosed, it was like opening that next level to me of like, now this is another new topic to me (laughs) that I can like go down the happy rabbit hole on and learn all, all that I can about it. So, and it's been so encouraging to me about with you sharing all of these nuggets that you learn from all of your research. I love research myself I don't always have the time to dig in and you do all the research and I can just learn from you that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) thank you well I mean that's a lot of why I share honestly is because we all have different passions and I know not everyone's passion desire or even knowledge of how to research you know I mean like I've literally had college and master degrees courses that I have had to be a student in myself on how to research so there's a part of me that I literally have been trained in how to find credible resources, et cetera. So yes. So it's important to me to be able to share credible resources and be able yes. to get, you know, helpful information out to others. Um, because there's a lot of things that I think, especially in American culture, you know, when you think of a cancer patient, let's say, I think most of us have a picture in our mind about what a cancer patient looks like. And basically the three-ish things that are offered to cancer patients as far as treatment goes. But what do you know, there's a whole, a lot bigger world out there with what can actually, we can do to support our bodies, what other therapies are available and all that type of stuff. And so it was really important to me to research credible science-based evidence on what those other things are. And for that matter too, look at the actual studies and research on the conventional side of things too yeah um, and see you know what makes the best match for me and my individual case and whatnot and how I can share that information with others thank you for Mm -hmm. doing all of the hard legwork for others (laughs) so let's dive in and can you share with everyone what kind of cancer have you been diagnosed with yeah so I live with a breast cancer so I have a obvious like palpable tumor and I was actually misdiagnosed for two years before my diagnosis because the doctor thought I just had a fatty lipoma like a fatty tumor Uh, and then she sent me to an actual breast surgeon to get it cut out not because she thought it was cancer she literally said quote I'm not worried about this being cancer but I'm gonna send you to a surgeon who cuts these out all the time so that you can have a better aesthetic outcome And then that surgeon took one look at me before she even touched me and said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I think this is cancer. We need to do a biopsy. Mm. Um, And like she brought in the ultrasound machine first, all, all in kind of one fell swoop in that appointment. It went from like, oh, I might have cancer (laughs) Uh, to us, you know, talking about it was the end of the year when that appointment was. And I said, uh, can, does it matter if we wait a few more weeks so, okay. and my deductible could start over? 
we had a little conversation about, you know, she was like, you've had this bump for more than a year. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she said, yeah, a couple of, a couple of weeks probably isn't going to make a difference. Okay. We got to that point and then like we were still sitting there in that same appointment and my husband and I like had a private discussion where she left the room and we both kind of decided, well, let's just go ahead and do the biopsy here. That will give us the information we need to know, okay. you know, over the next few weeks to make decisions along the way. So and we did the biopsy that day. Um, within a couple of days, we had the basic information that it was a type of breast cancer and then they wanted to send it out for the further detailed testing that gives you like the greater details of the pathology of, is it hormone receptor positive or negative? Is it this protein or that? Uh, and how fast are the cells dividing? And that gives uh, you your grade. So it's grade one, two, three. Grade one is lower, slower dividing cells. Grade, th grade three is higher or what people call more aggressive. And then that's different than your stage. Stage involves how big it is, how invasive, how invasive it is, if it has gone beyond one primary spot or not, if it's gone into different places in your body. This was back in 2017. Is yes. that correct? Yes. So that was that's been a number of years ago. Yes. And you were very young. Yes, I was when in my you... 30s. Yes. Uh, so it's it's so funny because I was. I mean, I should say I was in my upper 30s when I was diagnosed and I would have been mid thirties if they would have diagnosed me correctly okay. <laughs> early on. And that is actually in oncology. It's called the five under 40 because I'm guessing they're going to update that statistic, but it's a, okay. it has a ring to it, right? That yes. name five under 40. And that just means 5% of cancer patients, cancer diagnosis diagnoses are those of us under 40 as you might have been seeing in the media and whatnot yes. and social media, that the percentages of young people being diagnosed, particularly with colon cancer and breast cancer, are like incrementally on the rise. Okay. So there's something going on with what we're eating and the toxins in our environment, yes. etc., that is changing how those of us that are younger are able or not as able to deal with those toxins. Yes, very true. Now, actually, I hadn't heard about the colon cancer being mm -hmm. so much on the rise. I knew mm -hmm. breast cancer was, mm -hmm. so that's sad. And I, I want to point out that you do an amazing job with sharing about toxins that are in our home. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I was like, what? I didn't even think about garbage can liners. Oh man, that, trash that, bags, oh. insidious. <laughs> yes, um, I was like, because We've you change. don't. Yeah, you don't know that. You have to almost work so hard at finding a box that says it's unscented, but you need yeah. to find a box that says unscented, and unscented can be different than not scented in the sense that they can still there's different language right and that's the same like so on any packaging of anything you're bringing into the house if it has the words fragrance perfume or parfum mm -hmm. those would be indicators that those are that is a grand label that i don't remember i would need to look it up but you know something like thousands of chemicals can be under that one word 
So there's so much that can be hidden under that. Whether or not the company is trying to be evil about it, that's not what I'm saying. But, um, you know, again, there's just so... Well, I'll say this. So why is fragrance bad? Why why is it like, oh, gosh, why do you need to have unscented, um, you know, trash bags? It's because those are hormone disruptors. Uh, Fragrance is hormone disrupting. And that means that if you cannot fully process your own hormones through their proper metabolic pathways, then as an example, your estrogen's gonna get stuck in a cycle. Hmm. And when you can't fully process that out or metabolize it out, when you have that extra in, then, so let's say in my case, I have estrogen receptor positive cancer, then it leaves all the more estrogen to go attached to that tumor cell and help grow it or feed it, so to speak. Okay, thank you. That is the best description of how that happens. Because I've heard a lot, and I understand fragrance bad, but thank you for explaining why it's bad. That's incredibly helpful. I heard quite a while ago that an average person would put on their body before they even leave the house for work thousands of different chemicals, right? Maybe hundreds. I'm not sure. And even if it's not thousands... Can you, if you really think about it, can you imagine what it's like to put on 73 chemicals? Yeah, right. You know, I mean, like, there comes a point where it's like, well, that is more than 10, and I didn't even realize I was putting 10 on, you know? Yeah, so true. You had mentioned a phrase called young adult cancer. So could you help us understand what that means? So five under 40 that is young adults, so young adults in oncology. Oncology, the study of cancer and medicine, you know. Uh, basically, anyone under 40 is considered a young adult when it comes to Because I thought that was like under 20. <laughs> I know, right? The conventional medical world. What is uh, so, like, it, it tickles me, like, it's funny to me, is that, but if I was pregnant when I was 40... I would essentially be considered a geriatric (laughs) pregnancy. Like that's literally the term in conventional, uh, you know, maternity. If you're older, that that's geriatric. So like you're a young adult in on one hand and you're geriatric on the other. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm very, you know, it is a lower percentage of us in the, as, as folks like to say, the oncology ward, uh, (laughs) that are the young people in the room. And that is a whole other, kind of mind bender to deal with when you're a young adult. So when I was diagnosed, that uh, doctor, as a part of the, like, she brought us into her conference room so that we could have this, you know, larger discussion. And she said, you're going to need to go away and have, like, go away from here. And, like, tonight you need to have a family planning conversation because you need to consider freezing your eggs. And that would be prior to other treatments you know um because if basically the one (laughs) the one main drug that they could offer me it puts you into menopause because they're trying to suppress the estrogen okay in your body so anywho so with that in mind it was a like you need to have a family planning conversation to if you want to retrieve eggs to potentially use in the future um but Another thing people may or may not know is that uh, that is not covered by insurance, and it's essentially tens of thousands of dollars. 
oh dear. Yeah. And then you have to process it really quickly and make yes. a decision yes. that will affect the rest of your life, yes. of course. And by the way, this goes on with this conversation too. Um, again, we know better, we do better. At the time, I didn't know that being on the birth control pill was quote-unquote bad for me, right? Yeah. Uh, I knew that people, various people had various side effects that might have to do uh, with their mood type of thing. Uh, But what I learned, because when they called me back with the final, like, details of the pathology, that particular practitioner on the phone call said, and by the way, if you haven't stopped taking the birth control yet, as in... Like, if between now and the time we did your biopsy a week ago, if you haven't stopped yet, she said, you have to stop today. And I was like, well, I'm not at that blah, blah, blah part in the pack of the pills. And she said, it doesn't matter. You have to stop today. And that was my moment of like, if they're telling me to stop because it's impacting my cancer, why wouldn't we all look into that? (laughs) And why would we not have that be a red flag for any of us, cancer or not? And so I dug into the pharmaceutical inserts on that. And lo and behold, you have a 30% higher increased risk of developing breast cancer. Wow. Yeah. That's, That's really infuriating. Mm-hmm. To, like, why Why didn't we not know that right. earlier? And I'm not going to blame anyone for my personal choices, so I don't want anyone to hear it that way. But I was on it for 10 years, so that also increases your risk uh, the longer you're on it type of thing. And none of my gynecologists, which I had long histories with them, but there was, like, moving sometimes to different states or whatever, yeah. so you naturally change providers. Um, and... You know, you change pharmacies sometimes. So right. there were multiple people, pharmac- pharmacists as well as medical doctors that could have shared any of those important risk factors yeah. to me that didn't. Um, even the idea, like, you really shouldn't be on the same one for 10 years. Oh, yeah, no, I hadn't even heard about that. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to, you know, what I've learned in the past five years is it's up to me as the patient mm-hmm. To a advocate for myself, but it is up to me as a patient to read the actual pharmaceutical yeah. inserts. It's right. not just like, oh, I heard on that TV ad or mm-hmm. a streaming platform ad. Like yeah. they they really quickly say the side effects. Well, guess what? That's not actually all the side effects. That mm-hmm. are those are the ones that they are required to say in that moment. But you can like Google the words, like Google the name of your medicine, and then product insert and it will be the actual like pharmaceutical pdf that you can read through for the actual like full list of side effects and sometimes they have the charts that list out the percentages of in their studies i'm loosely making up the number right yeah it would say if there's a thousand participants how many that side effect happened to or what the percentage is so you can also gauge So in light of learning those type of things, it also helped me learn how to look into that one drug that they were offering me for my cancer. And one of the side effects of that drug is strokes. Doesn't matter how old you are. And another side effect is uterine cancer. Oh, no. So one trade. Trading off for the other. Right. It is literally that the particular drug and people that have 
pre-menopausal breast cancer will know what drug I'm talking about. It's like the go-to drug for it, okay. a pill. Um, and when I ask my oncologist in the next meeting, can you tell me about the side effects of this drug? Okay. And then I said, you know, like on those, let's just call them the bigger. I mean, people also like talk about horrible joint pain, horrible bone pain. I'm not here to like be poo-poo, but yeah, <laughs> you know, but there are, there are drugs research. that are, yeah, there are drugs that are necessary and helpful and not all drugs work for all people. And it's, you know, it's not for everybody, but I'm not saying that no one can take it. Okay. Anywho. So when I was asking about the side effects as it pertains to me in my case, Yes. I asked, is it an accumulation effect or could it happen on day one? And his response was, it could happen on day one. There's no way to know. And that was part of the information that gave me the, you know, like education, for lack of a better word, to not use the word information twice. That was the data that gave me the information to make my decision, you know, loosely that week, I would say that I was going to say, it's not a no for me forever on this drug. It's a no for me right now. I would like to try these other things. And as I I share this in hopes that it would help someone else that I, every year, basically like open my, like literally open my hands and say, Lord, would you show me what you need me to see this year in this season of my cancer journey about this particular drug? If this is something that would be beneficial for me in my case in this season. So it's not a like slam door for me. It's a, what do I need to know nowadays? Yeah. You know, and God guide me. I love that. It's so important to include God in this journey. It's such a huge journey and he's the healer. He, he knows everything. And Mm -hmm. if we ask him, he will share and give us uh, guidelines for our own life and health. That's great. So one thing that I have just so enjoyed watching you, like you are thriving, really thriving on your cancer journey. And it's, you usually don't hear thriving and cancer journey together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Can you talk about some ways that you have found how you have been able to thrive? Yeah, I, I think my first like gut response to you saying that and sharing that, and thank you by the way, is that from the get go, I kind of had this idea and it's the word thrive and the word thriving or the phrase cancer thriver. I cannot claim that. Uh, Like I'm not the one that originated that phrase. I don't know if anyone knows who really did. Um, But I latched onto that really quickly because mindset is really important to me and I do believe that God designed our bodies to heal. And so from the get-go, I knew that I didn't want to call it a battle. That sounded exhausting to me. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't want to fight mm-hmm. myself. So well, so this all has to do by the way with why I called my Instagram account and then now my, you know, coaching, cancer coaching business and whatnot, shrink the mutant because Cancer is our own cells. It's our own mutated cells. It's not a foreign object in our body. It's our own cells. And so the idea of battling, if I'm in a cancer fight or a cancer battle, and again, this is my own 
thing for me. I'm not trying to be negative about anyone else who chooses that language for themselves. I'm just saying for me, it was a very intentional choice that I was going to use positive healing language and battle and fight was too exhausting to me type of deal. And then I purposely don't necessarily use the word survivor because I want to do more than survive it. I want to thrive it, thrive through it. Um, and technically in the, uh, like literal technical definitions of a cancer survivor is anyone who has been diagnosed with a cancer from the moment of diagnosis through their journey, through remission, no evidence of disease, cancer free and beyond anyone that has ever been diagnosed with cancer can be called a cancer survivor. Um, so I think that's another kind of misunderstanding in the general American public is that any of us can be called cancer survivors if we've been diagnosed with cancer. So, Well, I want to go back to talking about positivity. So Mm -hmm. yesterday on your stories, you had shared how important it was to have that positive mindset. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been really reading a whole lot more in this last year about the power of a positive mind can really change your whole body. Your your Yeah, our nervous mind. systems are very powerful things and our brain is a very powerful thing. Yes. And you know, again, I'll go back to and lo and behold, God designed our our overall body to be one holistic thing that all works together. You know, we are so accustomed to in western American I'm just going to call it the medical model that everything is like a specialist for this one organ, a specialist for this one type of surgery or one type of cancer or whatnot. And it has like broken apart our body into all these pieces. That's not to say that's not good to have like, if I'm going to have my kidneys worked on, I do want somebody that like really knows what they're talking about when it comes to kidneys. With that said, there's a lot of missing pieces though, in terms of like, Right, but my kidneys are also connected to all these other functions in my mm-hmm. body. And so, what you know, like, let's swim down that entire path of how did my kid? I don't actually have a kidney problem. I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> uh, you know, like, how did my kidneys get to that point anyway to begin with? And what are the various mechanisms throughout my entire body that lead to that? So, it's the same idea with the brain, right? Like, the brain, we can create pathways that are, uh, there's there's this phrase or there's this sentence, again, I don't remember which, you know, like PhD doctor um, said this, but it might be Dispenza, Joe Dispenza, but that every cell in our body is listening to our thoughts. Ooh, I haven't heard that. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Yes. And so I would rather tell my cells, <laughs> yes. you know, that we're healing or that we're healed, whatever the language is that's comfortable, right, to a person um, that you can believe in. And hope is a powerful drug in and of itself. I mean, there is a placebo effect. It is mm-hmm. a scientific fact. And right. it is almost in every, I mean, I haven't ever read every, every single study in the whole entire world, <laughs> right? <laughs> but in general, like, there's a reason that the placebo effect is used in every study. They have to have something to peg their 
medicines and whatnot therapies against but your brain when you believe that you are in pain your brain sends out signals to create chemicals to lessen the pain or whatnot you know there's all kinds of things with this right Mm -hmm. um there's all kinds of various authors and researchers that can help us have tools to better regulate our nervous system and those pathways so i use those techniques like there's breathing techniques right Mm -hmm. uh those type of techniques and tools help me when I might be, let's say, those of us in cancer world know the term scanxiety. And that's okay. when you have anxiety about a cancer scan, whether you're in the machine in the moment or whether you're in the waiting, as I like to say, of you're waiting for the results or you're waiting even before you have the scan, but you know your skin's coming up. Um, so like when I'm literally in the machine, it's me doing breathing techniques and rehearsing I typically will pick out a scripture. So a lot of times I pick Psalm 23 and I literally meditate on what I imagine that scene to be. So I think there's something to disrupting our anxious thought patterns with something else. It doesn't mean that I don't acknowledge that it might be an anxiety producing moment and I'm not trying to, you know, have toxic positivity and say everything is hunky dory, but we're using tools that help us reclaim our focus and reclaim the present moment, you know, by using those tools and resources. Wonderful. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for th- that's a, a great tool, whether you're on a cancer journey or mm-hmm. just trying to get through the day to day life, right? Right. <laughs> Could you share a little bit about treatments you had or didn't have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I have done a whole lot (laughs) of what, you know, often is called an integrative approach. Mine has been very centered in the naturopathic approach. And the really, really neat thing about the naturopathic approach is that there is always something to try. There's always something else to try. Um, But... Along with that, there are a lot of really, truly evidence-based therapies that work to support a person's body during cancer. So we talk about it as like, you're treating the whole entire terrain, not a spot, because there's a reason your body allowed that spot to develop in the first place. And so let's like deal with the whole entire Jenny. Um, So there are things like, high dose IV vitamin C at a high dose level. It is a pro-oxidant. It it has very, you know, there's very specific evidence that it works very well in um, helping. I want to be careful that we don't make claims here. Right. Um, You know, for those lovely FTC reasons and whatnot. Um, But there's, very good evidence yeah. that IV vitamin C, I'll just say it like this, is very helpful okay. <laughs> to people who are trying to get rid of cancer. Yes. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> um, so that, but along with that, vitamin C helps support our bodies in detox. It helps us with histamine issues. It helps us with, it's a cofactor in collagen. So one of the mm-hmm. things I did I had cryoablation to my cancer tumor, and that is the freezing of the tumor. And the cycles of freezing, thawing, freezing, thawing, 
are what uh, the trauma to those cancer cells is what helps create the apoptosis, which is cancer cell death. So in my particular case, my skin has always been involved. And so they had to freeze my skin. So it was like, I literally had frostbite from the inside out. Wow. That and sounds it, like, painful. Uh, it's not because it freezes your nerves, basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> I there mean, you in go. that area. <laughs> yeah, you know? okay. And they do use, it's local anesthetic. So it was okay. during the procedure, they numb that area. Okay. That's what I would say. Um, but I had to grow a pretty good portion of skin again to cover my wound and vitamin c was a big high dose vitamin c was a big portion of that because vitamin c is a cofactor to collagen and collagen is a building block of our skin obviously i'm going to talk a lot about vitamin c because that's been such a huge portion of my cancer journey um and then cryoablation was something that was a stopgap measure for me it in my particular case, it did not cure my cancer type of thing, but it was a stopgap measure that helped me. Um, it helped shrink the middle of the tumor okay. a lot to where like my conventional oncologist literally walked in after that procedure, like at my next MRI scan appointment when he saw the results and like literally opened the door and stuck out his hand and shook my hand saying, congratulations, like that procedure really helped you know nice um so but there's really great uh they have really good trials that show if you have breast cancer tumor that is two centimeters or less that there's like over 90 percent success rate with cryoablation my tumor was more than double that size okay and my skin was involved type of thing so um i didn't have the same exact effects but it still has you know, it, it helped me is what I was going to say. Yeah. Then I've also done things like IV ozone, IV mistletoe, mistletoe shots, hellebore shots. Uh, and then there's various lifestyle things, right? Like supporting our detox pathways. So infrared sauna, which also uh, cancer doesn't like heat. That's a, there's a short okay. way of saying like uh, mistletoe is kind of like a natural based immunotherapy and it okay. rubs up your immune system and it's a fever therapy so to speak all right again i'm not trying to speak as a medical practitioner so um you know my favorite teachers in grad school etc would always say you don't take my word for it go look this up you know so you are welcome (laughs) yes you are welcome to look up these things i'm just giving you know the listener tidbits of like oh i should look up mistletoe for cancer yes um and there is an organization in the United States called Believe Big okay. that helps put together the Johns Hopkins trials for mistletoe, which they passed their phase one study. So they're now in the phase two study. That means they have had their beyond mouse models and stuff like that. They've been using it in humans um, for the actual study because mistletoe is commonly used in conventional oncology in Europe. Like oh, chemo and mistletoe are common over there whereas in america obviously we know about chemo but we don't know about mistletoe but in the naturopathic world in uh, america mistletoe is used so and i haven't heard of that before so that's fascinating and it like literally you know it's the it's not the mistletoe you stand under and kiss at christmas but it is you know but you can't it's not you can't ingest it it has to be at those high concentrated levels that go into your bloodstream through the iv and uh through the shots and stuff anywho's um 
so all kinds of stuff. And then there's other lifestyle things where nutrition has been so important to me. That's why I started doing my, uh, like culinary nutrition program that I was a student in and became a certified through was to all the more learn how to understand how nutrition scientifically worked and how it worked for cancer, <laughs> uh, cancer journey, etc. So can you share with us what are maybe one or two foods that you now incorporate in your diet that you hadn't before? Yes, I my approach to sharing with people about anti-cancer foods is it's I want you to use things that you can incorporate every day into your daily life that I'm not asking you to make this whole new radical meal but like baby steps along the way because it's it is like you can get results in a day on some of these things but the cumulative effect is so powerful right so one thing that's easy to do is green tea and green yes. tea has it's a, a little really long name of a polyphenol that's that everybody just like literally in scientific lit- literature uh, abbreviates as egcg but it has been shown to induce apoptosis again that's programmed cancer or programmed cell death and in cancer it's specifically cancer cell death so egcg from green tea induces cancer cell death in a variety of cancer cell types but it's very high in breast cancer type of thing so you can add green tea to smoothies you can you like you can add the powder a matcha powder to smoothies or you can drink it you know (laughs) love matcha powder (laughs) yes and um it's essentially like I think people hear like three to five cups and go, oh my gosh, (laughs) you know, but again, think about it in terms of like, right, but add it to other things, add your powder to a smoothie, uh, you know, do the cup and then refill it with your hot water, you know, whatever the thing is. So, and iced or hot, it doesn't matter. Um, Another thing is berries, especially in my world, I do blueberries because I just want to make things easy, right? Like, I don't want to have to think about having to cut them and slice them into different smaller pieces and all that. So I put berries on my breakfast every single morning. Nice. And um, obviously, I mean, I think we all know, like, oh, antioxidant, da-da-da-da. But there's actually many more mechanisms that they have. The the compounds that they have... um, have actual anti-cancer effects that slow down, like literally quote, slow down or stop cancer cell growth for many types of cancer. And they inhibit angiogenesis. So angio, when you think of that word, you think blood vessels and genesis, right? Creation. So the creation of new blood vessels, tumors need blood to survive. So tumors send out signals to your body to create new blood vessels angiogenesis to support their own tumor cancer cycle life and so you want to do things to inhibit that and blueberries are something that inhibit angiogenesis so and i would also say i mean i have a whole list but i know you have a book even (laughs) yeah i have a guide i have a little course that is video demonstrations of literally how to cook the food or how to incorporate the food meals recipes shopping lists all that type of stuff um, that you can find on my website, but 
I would also say, if I can add a third thing real fast. Of course, please do. Turmeric. Yes. Um, the, you know, the lovely orange or yellow, depending on what part of the world it's from, it is so anti-inflammatory, <laughs> but also has other anti-cancer um, properties. Okay. But you can put turmeric powder in your eggs in the morning. Okay. You know, put turmeric with black pepper. It needs black pepper or a fat to make the curcumin, which is the main, that's the compound that makes turmeric orange or gold. Yes. Um, and that is the main anti-cancer compound. So, like, literally people have turmeric IVs okay, and turmeric capsules that are just concentrated curcumin extract because it's so anti-cancerous. And inflammation and cancer go hand in hand, and so it also brings you those good anti-inflammatory effects. So, did I hear you correctly that you need to pair it with black pepper or something else for it to activate? Yes. So, it is okay. not necessarily quote, bioavailable to our bodies in and of itself. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. We need a black pepper with it, the pepperine from the black pepper, or a fat, like a good fat. So when you have... coconut oil type of Yes, I was going to say, you know, you think of like golden lattes. Yes. And so having a coconut milk or coconut cream or a coconut oil with it. So a lot of the turmeric pills... They have a some sort of a fatty um, oil that's inside the capsule with them that are so everything is designed to work together even in those okay. extra capsules. So what I do, and I'm not going to switch it up, is I make little ice cubes where I have fresh lemon juice, fresh ginger, and turmeric, and I um, have that juice, and I just have these little ice cubes, and I put my water. Yes, yeah, so now smart. I'm going to have to add black pepper. <laughs> Because it wasn't activating the turmeric. Okay. Well, Less and my thought too is, you know, something is better than nothing. That's one of my big mottos. I say it in my Shrink the Mutant Instagram all the time, right? Like, something is better than nothing. And that turmeric is doing something for you. Yeah, but you're going to gonna get more. more out of it. You're going to get more of the benefits if your body can actually use it. Well, right. Okay, I'm switching yeah. it up starting tomorrow. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up today... You talked about Psalms 23. Is there another verse that you wanted to share today? Yeah, I will say, you know, when we were talking kind of about my diagnosis story, um, I'm, this is the power of scripture memory. If I may just encourage all of us to, you know, there's a reason that we have scripture memory. It is so we can recall it, not only in peaceful times, but in times of need. So like, why do you have a first aid kit? Not because you are going to have an accident every single day, but you have it so that when there is a moment where you need a Band-Aid, you already have the Band-Aid and you don't have to go drive somewhere and get a Band-Aid, <laughs> right? Yes. So it's the same thing with scripture memory. So uh, I, again, like even when I'm in a doctor setting or whatever, it's not that I'm opening up a Bible and trying to find something in that moment. It's that my brain can automatically pull it up, right? So when I was being in that very first appointment with that surgeon that was like, I think this is cancer, we should do a biopsy. I don't even know how to communicate how peaceful I was and I felt because in my spirit and brain, all of a sudden, and it's not because I went, I should think about Philippians 1-6, but (laughs) my like spirit knew, you know what? God has said, 
Um, let me read it for you straight yes. up, straight from the thing. Okay, Philippians 1, 6. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I don't want to... My big thing in my theological academic world is that, you know, it's we don't want to take scriptures out of context. However, the Bible is active and living. Yes. And... I believe that he gives us the words that we need to for that moment type of thing. And in that case for me that day, it was, okay, I can be confident in the God that I know is faithful and that he will carry me on to completion. Whatever that story is, God is with me. And even in that moment, it didn't necessarily mean that I knew what the outcome was going to be. But the point to me was like, but God is carrying me and this to completion that that there's a good work in me that he's doing yes whether and whether it involves being diagnosed with this disease or a cure for this disease or whatever god is with me so that's kind of the when i think about my cancer journey and when i like over the past six whatever years those are really the two scriptures that i resonate with the most over the years are those two things because of the like actual like being in a physical medical center when you know the spirit like recalls those in me type of thing so i have very vivid visual memories of sitting on the exam table and philippians on six coming up you know or like laying in the mri machine and psalm 23 going over over and over again and imagining what a peaceful pasture looks like and what do the still waters look like Mm. you know and that the shepherd is right by me and you're activating your spirit and your Mm. mind and then your soul all together Mm -hmm. and that's powerful and our cells react to that because god is so smart in how (laughs) he created us you know amen i love Mm -hmm. that well as we wrap up here today jenny could you share with everyone how to connect with you and all your wonderful resources yes thank you so much for saying that so you can find me on instagram is the social media place that i am the most and that is at shrink the mutant and then i mean i do have a facebook page (laughs) that you can find me over there too but honestly i live in instagram not facebook and then my website is shrinkthemutantschool.com. And over there you can find the various courses that I have that are like instant downloads, free guides. I have free resources like anti-cancer drinks. That's a free resource. How to find a naturopathic oncologist is a free resource. And um, I have a caring cards template for friends of cancer patients. Oh, so when good. you find out somebody is diagnosed with cancer, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, what do I say? So I have created some templates that are kind of like happy, like good Mad Libs. Nice. <laughs> like you just fill in the blank, so to speak, and That's use awesome. it as a template. Um, so just different stuff like that over there. And then my main thing that I am focusing on in this season is I really love, I'm really passionate about coaching other cancer patients. And that's again, why I did the training, um, in being a cancer coach and so i do one-on-one cancer coaching with my fellow thrivers and you can find out that information on the shrinkthemutantschool.com site also so thank you for asking and saying that oh well wonderful and i i have been to your website and of course your instagram page and you are such a joy and inspiration 
for others. And thank you so much. Thank you for being on my show today. Yeah. I have learned so much <laughs> from having you on here, and I know others will. Thank you for joining me today as we explore the powerful whispers of God. I hope you've been inspired, uplifted, and equipped with practical ways to experience His presence in your everyday life. A special thank you to those who have rated, shared, or commented on my podcast. Your input warms my heart. Remember, the journey doesn't end here. Stay connected with me on my website at kristajoyministries.com and be sure to sign up for my newsletter on my main webpage. Or connect with me on Facebook or Instagram at Powerful Whispers Podcast to continue the conversation and stay updated on upcoming episodes. Until next time, I'm Krista Joy signing off. May your journey be blessed with an abundance of God's whispers for you. And make sure to grab hold of the gentle nudges from God.